0: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
1: Business is changing and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Glenn Engler. Get ready to hear perspectives on social media and digital marketing that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and thought leaders today. Now, please welcome your host, a Fortune 500 industry figure in the marketing and communications world for more than 25 years, and Chief Executive Officer of Digital Influence Group, the host of Market Edge,
2: Glenn Engler. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Glenn Engler, CEO of Digital Influence Group, a full-service digital marketing agency that helps companies unlock the social potential of their brands and amplify its impact to drive business results. Today, I'll be talking about Voice of the Customer with Jonathan Levitt, the Chief Marketing Officer at Opinion Lab, a global leader in voice of customer feedback innovation that provides real-time listening solutions for every brand touchpoint. Jonathan has been in the web business since commercialization of the Internet. He spent over 15 years helping a diverse list of brands understand their audience and leverage technology and data to build better products and customer experiences. Jonathan has worked with brands of all sizes, including leading global players such as Bank of America, MasterCard, Dell, Procter & Gamble, CBS, The New York Times, Ford, and Google. Data-driven to the core, he is a recognized authority in the spheres of web analytics, voice of the customer, and social media. A frequent speaker and writer, Jonathan's unique slant on branding and digital marketing has been featured in several industry publications, including One to One Magazine, eMarketing and Commerce, ClickZ, DM News, and Media Post. You can follow him on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash JonathanLevitt. It's great to have you on Market Edge, Jonathan, and welcome.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to be here.
2: Great. So let's get started uh, with a question around. You recently joined Opinion Lab after a very long career in branding and marketing. What attracted you to Opinion Lab?
3: You know, I would say while my career, you know, has always been in the branding and marketing space, I've always had a special interest in data, um, you know, to help drive decisions and strategic direction. And what I like about Opinion Lab, in particular the voice of customer space in general. Um, is using the data stream of actual customers in the context of real experiences to help us market and to help us build a brand. So I've had my eye on Opinion Lab for many years, given that they've been in the space a very long time. Uh, loved the solution that they offered. Um, as well, I, I knew some of the players there and find them to be a you know a very innovative company. So a good group of guys in the right space at the right time, uh, with a product that, in my opinion, was you know second to none in the industry, so uh, it was a no-brainer for me, really.
2: Great. Can you just give a really brief description for listeners who may not be completely familiar with Opinion Lab of the uh, products and services that you offer? Yeah,
3: sure. So, you know, I guess at our core, we're in the customer feedback business. Uh, We help brands listen to um, and by way of collecting data, analyzing data, and then leveraging data that's coming in from real customers in the context of real experiences, whether that would be through a web channel, through a mobile channel, in-store, while consuming a product, and I can get into that as well. Uh, but basically, really working with, for the most part, the Fortune 2,000 to help them leverage uh, the voice of customer to, you know, better optimize their channels and to collect business intelligence data.
2: So, you guys have been, uh, I think, more than a decade. The first digital voice of customer solution came out. Um, talk a little bit about how you've seen VOC and customer needs and preferences changing over the past ten years, and some of the, you know, the biggest opportunities and challenges that you're seeing.
3: Sure. So, you know, I'll start by saying voice of customer is nothing new, right? It's, at the end of the day, this is, as a, you know, as a discipline. Collecting customer feedback has existed as long as business has existed, um, right? And at, so at the end of the day, the, the owner or the manager of a general store would engage his customers when they walked into the store to find out really what was working for them and what wasn't. What the web brought to the table was a platform that could be leveraged to more easily collect voice of customer and to do it across um, my entire customer base, or at least those that were visiting that particular channel. So um, you know, the evolution has really been, as technology has evolved, we've had an easier time to collect this data, and it now doesn't have to happen on a strictly on a one-to-one basis. We can ask questions to customers without necessarily having to be there. Um, you know what's interesting, really, is that this this data has moved its way up inside organizations because of its its strategic nature and its tactical nature. So, you know, ten years ago, selling feedback solutions was not an easy um, was not an easy sale. It was very much a missionary sale for a couple of reasons. First of all. People really didn't want to know what the customer thought because typically it was a contradiction to what you know marketers put forward as assumptions.
2: <laughs>
3: right? I mean, we always right we always joke about the expression that marketers use: that fifty percent of my marketing budget is wasted. I just can't tell you which half. Right? Um, gone are those days. Right? Everything can be measured now. So. I think that voice of customer, you know, has grown, is in the process of growing up as an industry, particularly, though, because um, because of its impact on the ability to optimize the customer experience. So whereas, you know, 10 years ago, we'd pick up the phone and we would call into a potential client to try and sell the solution, nobody knew what to do with us or nobody owned this customer experience. Today, you've got organizations that are building departments around the customer experience and right. even in positions up at the C-suite level. Um, so the market's matured a tremendous amount in the past 10 years, but still has a long way to go, in my opinion.
2: Um, it's really interesting, and I'm not sure that all the listeners will will know, but that um, brilliantly subtle yet pervasive plus symbol um, is you guys and uh if you know i do my online banking and i see it right there and it it travels a, uh it's sort of brilliant user experience of not getting in the way of what you're doing but it is pervasive and there all the time um, can you talk a little bit about the that plus symbol used across different channels and how you start to think about, to your point, you said started on the web. But talk a little bit more about um, channels that are growing in popularity or um, your take on the, the plethora of opportunities for brands.
3: Sure. Um,
2: So first of all, yeah, in terms
3: of trying to make the process of submitting feedback to a brand easy, um, it's really at the core of our philosophy, right? So we believe that people want to give feedback, they want to provide feedback to brands, but it needs to be easy for them to do so. And when I say that, I'm speaking specifically against... Solicitation methodologies like a one eight hundred phone number, or uh, you know, or intercept surveys, which you know, look, we use and so do our clients, but at the end of the day, they are a little bit intrusive. Yep. So for us, it was about how do we build a methodology that is constant, that is consistent, that can be recognized as a symbol for providing feedback, and can be easy for people to interact with. And so, really, that's the nature of the brand, right? It's our plus sign. Um, the evolution is really one that is sort of happening naturally because you know our core business, our core competency, really is collecting feedback um, in a web environment, right? And um, what's happening now, really, and a lot of this has been client driven, but the the channels, um, you know, other channels are growing as a as a source of data. And so marketers are saying, "Well, this is great stuff that you're giving me. I've got this ability to to dialogue with my customer uh, and and do so on the web. But the web really at the end of the day, is a is a shrinking channel for us today because you know mobile is becoming more pervasive. Um, you know, for me, it's all about ubiquitous access, and we're seeing that, right? Consumers are bouncing back and forth from one channel to the next while making their you know their brand consideration choices. Um, and while being in the purchase funnel and so what's happening is the customers are saying to us now I need to start collecting feedback like this in my other touch points Mm -hmm. and so we've we've moved over to mobile it's a natural evolution Um, and you know and then retailers are starting to say okay well how do I solicit this feedback at the brick-and-mortar level Ah. so Right, The core of our business, while it's still web and mobile, um, we're starting to see tremendous growth in brick-and-mortar and retail locations. And we even have some CPG clients who are starting to put that symbol on the actual product so that they can collect feedback from consumers who are consuming their product in real time. Right, So think about the ability to... Um you know, in real time, to tap into customer feedback of people in the context of real experiences. And so it's not about sending somebody home with a printed URL on a receipt that they can fill out a survey seventy two hours later. We want to get feedback as close as possible to consumption of of the brand experience. Um, okay. interesting. big companies, yeah, you know, the big companies are starting to get that
2: right. So, um just to bring all of that to life, share, if you will. Um, one of your favorite um, success stories, or an example with the client—one obviously that you can share—but um, just bring it to life with an example of how a brand has taken advantage of the the power of the data that you guys bring um, forward for them. Yeah,
3: so happy to. And the, and the truth of the matter is, that I don't want to sound like I'm selling, but when when companies turn on when companies turn on this data stream and they start collecting voice of customer data. Um, the bells and whistles typically go off because this is a yep. source of data that they've just never had before. Um and the other thing about our data, particularly because it's it's location specific, right? When you click on a plus sign on a web page, we know which page you're on and where you've you know what you've where you've traveled to get there. So our data is very contextual in the sense that it's location specific data. Um, all that to say, when you turn on this data stream, um, the insights are immediate. And so we have clients who have, have, have seen, um, and we have a retailer in particular that we just brought on board, I would say, about four months ago, who deployed <laughs> web, mobile, and in-store. And what I can tell you without disclosing who the client is, uh, is that they were able to double conversion, um, both out on the web side of the business, but also at the retail locations. Wow. So, Yeah.
2: So you that, know, when you bring that... this... <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say that's a metric that a CMO will take
3: notice to. 100%, right? Because it's so much about optimization. And, um, you know, and again, we're used to, as marketers, we're used to sort of watching people as opposed to listening to people. And that's sort of the paradigm shift that I I typically explain, Um, you know, kind of behavioral data, like the Google Analytics data that you get off your website, and the more attitudinal data, which is the voice of customer and feedback data. They're very, very different. You know, one will tell you what people are doing, but voice of customer data will tell you why they're doing it. And when you know why they're doing it, uh, it becomes much easier to optimize the customer experience. So we've seen clients, you know, come on board and in a matter of 60 days um, start to be able to drive conversion up or support down, whatever their business objectives are in deploying our solution. It's usually a pretty quick um, turnaround in terms of ROI.
2: Interesting. Are there uh industry specific industries or categories that you are noticing are ratcheting up the interest level of your your services and any patterns that you're seeing from a your your cost industry vantage point? It's an interesting question. So, in
3: general, I would say that we're sort of industry agnostic. But I can tell you, obviously, the you know the guys at the end of the day who are responsible for generating revenue on the web are ultimately the ones who first turned to us, right? So, our our initial traction came from uh, from retail, right? Because there's usually dollars associated to a website visit, tangible dollars. Uh, so it becomes a much easier channel to optimize. That said, um, you know, we've got some pretty deep penetration in financial services. Again, a transactional environment for the most part yep. where yep. Uh, financial institutions are looking for share of wallet, right? So here's an opportunity to understand my customer and then to cross sell them different services that I offer. Um so retail's a big big sector for us, financial is a big sector for us. Interesting, we're seeing some turnaround now in media and publishing. Because the business model is changing, right? We're seeing the extreme sure. models pop up. So again, it becomes about how do I get people
2: further along my, you know, into my conversion funnel.
3: But in really, general, really I, interesting. Yeah, but I would say in general that you know, I think every industry is starting to understand that they've all got. You know, we're past the days where people are putting up websites for the sake of putting up websites. There are now tangible business objectives tied to deploying a web presence. Right. Um, and so, anybody that can really measure the success of those business objectives against customer intent is starting to understand that voice of customer is a, is a, you know, provides a lot of clarity into um, the customer experience,
2: obviously. Okay, that's great. Uh, gobs of questions coming to my mind, um, but we're going to pause for a minute. I'm going to take a really quick, short commercial break. Uh, to the listeners, please stand by, and we'll be right back with Jonathan Levitt and more of the conversation. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs.
0: Learn, optimize, connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Superior Affiliate Offers. Superior Affiliate Brands. Superior Affiliate Service. The Superior Affiliate Management. Superior Affiliate Management delivers direct exclusive offers with weekly payouts. Their mission is to ignite your e-commerce and ignite your commission. Superior Affiliate Brands means our work with the Internet Retailers Top 500, as well as new brands, thanks to their full service agency and CPA network. Superior Affiliate Service means lifetime bonus referrals and personal VIP treatment.
1: TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors.
0: Blog, blog, blog. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're the talk of the town. WebmasterRadio.fm. Thanks for listening. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere.
1: We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Glenn
2: Engler. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Glenn Engler, and I'm here today with Jonathan Levitt, the Chief Marketing Officer at Opinion Lab, talking about voice of customer. Okay, so you were just talking about the industries and the trends and the use of it, and uh, really the pervasive use um, uh, across in-store, web, mobile. Um, one of the things and since it's so steeped in data, we're seeing this in a bunch of uh, other products and services Talk a little bit about, within your client um, clients' companies, which are the departments that tend to both utilize the data the most or uh, own this type of data? Um, sure
3: and yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
2: Yeah, no, no, no. I'm I, I'm sure. Uh, as the case is with other products and services, there's a, a, a variety of different departments that probably um, either own it, feel like they own it, or want to get their hands on it. So I'm curious of what you're seeing.
3: Yeah, so it's, 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 it's a very interesting question, and it, and it's been a bit of an evolution. Uh, I can tell you that you know originally when. Voice of customers started gaining traction. It was typically the marketing departments that were interested mm-hmm. in this data, and they were budgeting for this type of solution. Um, you know, and the reason being is obviously, uh, you know, they're the ones that are ultimately were responsible for for web presence. Uh, that's changing. We started to see a little bit of a shift towards research, right? So as um, research departments began to understand the power of the web in terms of a collection. Uh, mechanism for voice of customer data, they started to become more sophisticated in terms of the type of research design that they were deploying online, so the type of surveys that they would run or comment cards that they would deploy um, as a means to offset some of the hard costs that have come with traditional forms of research, like focus groups and panel studies and things of this nature. Then what began happening really was, you know, you have all of these departments that were starting to hear about voice of customer and wanted to get on the action. So you now see, you know, service. Um, you now see you support. Obviously, one one and the mm-hmm. same. Um, but voice of customer data has made its way. I mean, in some of our clients, all the way up to the C suite, uh, right. Where you know, where corporate health is being measured through voice of customer, and ah, you, know, you have metrics like net promoter score. Yep. Um, you know, or satisfaction, or task completion, and conversion. But these 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 metrics are making their way up the latter, all the way up to the C-suite, because really, at the end of the day, uh, it's hard to deny voice of customer
2: data. Data doesn't lie. So, um, really interesting. So, it permeates multiple departments in, in organizations. It's at, it's at the suite, C-suite. Uh, C-level, the different areas all being measured now on Net Promoter Score are these type of um of actions, and you have more yeah. data than ever before that you're able to to play with. From a marketing yeah. standpoint, how what are some of the challenges of taking this incredible wealth of information and data, now high-profile results, and integrating it back into the campaign stat- strategies?
3: Sure, and and that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, <laughs> you know, to be quite to be quite honest, uh, not an easy thing to do at all. You know, one of the one of the beauties that, you know of voice of customer data, particularly when it's being captured in real time, um, is it gives us the ability as marketers to sort of measure the success of our campaigns while they're going on, right? So there's no more post-mortem. Um, mm-hmm. th- this is about course correction. And we have clients at the end of the day who have deployed voice of customer strategies to launch around particular campaigns and what they realize really is two things. First of all, voice of the customer is very powerful. It's like giving the, you know, it's like bringing the consumer to the strategic table. Right. Um, but it also, it also acts as a way to confirm or negate some of the assumptions that marketers make. Right. And that's something that as marketers, we don't typically like, we don't like accountability. Uh, we're just not used to it. Um, so, you know, the the easy part is collecting data. The hard part is turning that data into actionable, right. um into actionable, you know, tactical data. Right. Uh, and that's where right. really where we kind of focus with our clients. I mean, anything can be measured, but it doesn't mean that everything should be measured, right? Um uh, I don't know if that answers your question.
2: Yeah, no, it it definitely does. I think that's that's clearly a challenge and there's huge opportunities in the data, but organizationally and um, and and uh, to make it actionable, I'm sure, is a big challenge. So let's pivot a little bit. I think the um, huge growth in social channels, really curious about how you guys are seeing the best way to incorporate social into a comprehensive voice of customer strategy.
3: Yeah, so uh, it's a very interesting um, question, and, and I'll, I will be honest with you that my... You know, I applaud all brands who are listening in the social channels. We know, I mean, I don't have to tell you why it's important. I think we all know why it's important these days. But for me, it's not the first step. Um, You know, we believe very strongly, I believe very strongly, that if you you open up listening channels with your consumer base, uh, when they're experiencing the brand, you're going to mitigate some of the risk that takes place in social, right? So social media is important, and you're measuring, you know, negative and positive buzz that's taking place in the social web, but you're not necessarily addressing the issue while it's happening. And so we believe that social is a good benchmark for um, measuring how how loud a particular um, issue is that you're getting for your VOC channels, right? So for me, VOC comes first. If I have a direct channel in place on all my brand touch points where I can collect feedback from visitors and I can respond to those visitors, the chances are I can mitigate the risk of why I'm I'm listening to my social channels, right? Because typically <laughs> what we want to hear is uh, you know, either people are speaking praising the brand or, hey, there's a problem. And we've seen all of the examples, right, of of customer experiences gone bad and then yep. consumers turning to the social web to just absolutely blast a brand. So we believe it's important but it doesn't come first. First, <laughs> you need to put in place direct channels with your consumer base to collect feedback. And if you do that, I think you that Social then becomes a way to measure whether or not this problem is spreading. But it didn't originate on the social web. It originated at some point when a consumer was experiencing your brand. Got it. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, very interesting point of view of the the power of the the different areas working together, but a a sequence that certainly you're highlighting. Uh, So a new CMO is sitting across the table for you and says, what's the one thing I should do in the next 30 days? What's your counsel from a voice of customer and opinion lab viewpoint?
3: To start listening. I mean, that's the first thing, really,
2: is, is open up these channels. If they don't exist,
3: you know, open them up, put them in place, because the data that comes in when you start asking you know, real people for their feedback is extremely enlightening.
2: How about they? Yeah. Uh, if, if the question were slightly different and were like, "Tell me the, you know, what's a big pothole that I'm likely to to run into, or things that you know, I sh- make sure that I don't do." What would you say besides go hire a, an expert? Right. Well, well so I would say that <laughs> I would say don't put these channels
3: in place if you're not prepared to use the data. Um, oh, same on that. that. Yeah, measuring. For, well, measuring for the sake of measuring isn't going to do mm-hmm. it, right? You don't. And we see that, right? We see that some people put channels in place so that they can turn to their, you know, their CEO or their boss and say, well, yeah, sure, we are measuring the voice of customer, right? right. which is great, and it, but it's only, it's only half the battle, right? So at the end of the day, if you're going to deploy VOC solutions, you better make sure that you've got the resources either from your vendor or, or internally to, you know, to make use of the data because there's nothing right. that's going to aggravate a consumer more than you soliciting their feedback. And then them seeing no indication that you're using it, right? Boy,
2: is that sound advice. That's good. All right. So before I let I let you go, one of the things that I like to do on this program, since I have the opportunity of working with really smart marketers um, and interviewing them for the show, is I toss out some trends or technology or products, and I get a smart marketer point of view. Kind of first things that come to your mind. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. I just you know love to hear the view on a speed round. All right. Okay. Okay, so location-based services, like a Foursquare check-in or other aspects. What's your view?
3: Like them, I don't think that they've found their niche quite yet. Um, you know, still, the benefit is still really just one of uh, communicating with my social graph. I think that these services have to become smarter and more contextual in terms of being able to provide me value
2: that I, I just don't feel I'm getting today from these services. Got it. Good. Um, What about the daily deal phenomenon of the Groupons and the living socials and, and, and? Uh, You know,
3: interesting. And clearly they're working now. I'd say they're working more for the Groupons of the world than they are for the merchants that they represent. (laughs) Um, I'm not sold yet on social shopping from that perspective. I think, again, we're not really sure who we want to be when we grow up. So I think this um yeah. i think these trends are obviously they're you know they're they're growing i'm not sure where they're going to end and i'm not sure what the end result will be in terms of
2: value to the consumer very interesting uh last one qr codes yeah love them hate them
3: uh, <laughs> a little bit of both <laughs> same one. uh and listen we use them right we use them as a way to solicit feedback so i'm not going to completely destroy them i do think though that most marketers still haven't figured out how to use them yet. Um, I become infuriated when I get a, a QR code in an email, or I drive by a billboard and see a QR code in the corner. You've, miss, you've missed the point. I'm not going to get out of my car and scan a QR code. So um, yeah, I, think delayed, I, I think that it's a transition technology. I, I think that they will end up... Um, Probably being quite different uh, than where we are today. I just don't think anybody's
2: really figured that out yet. Interesting. All right. Well, several other things pop in my mind, but we are unfortunately out of time. So thank you, Jonathan, for being my guest today. Thanks thank to everyone you. in the audience for listening to today's conversation. If you have any questions or would like to talk further about the topic of today's show, feel free to connect with me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Engler, or on my blog at www.glenengler.com and visit www.webmasterradio.fm at 12 noon Eastern time on Tuesdays to tune into episodes of Market Edge. Thank you all very much.